What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Honda Classic. And what a week we're coming off of at the Players' Championship. Justin Thomas gets it done to the delight of all of our wallets. The amount of tickets I saw with JT outrights, the uh, amount of DFS lineups that I, that were sent to me. I, I'm still digging through emails and DMs, so congratulations to everyone. It was absolutely awesome. I do want to point out a couple in particular before we jump into this week, um, a couple of, of, of winners that stood out to me. So uh, David, first of all, won $4,000 with the Rick Rungood uh, logo as his avatar, so to see that at the top of a DFS leaderboard is always awesome. Congratulations, David. Um, Seth turned his $35 into $1,200 on a showdown slate, referenced using the live leaderboard throughout the week. Another really great way um, to play fantasy to make your bets in-game instead of just putting everything in, having it lock on Thursday. Don't forget that those tools are out there for you. And then Point Sucks, or Points UX, I don't know. Uh, turned his $280 into $30,000. Uh, that is quite the payday. Congratulations to everyone. It was absolutely phenomenal. I also have winners from last week's draw. Uh, Sean Chambers and Buck 18 are going to win a subscription to rickrungood.com. All of the tools uh, that you're seeing me use, the community use in, in, in these victories uh, are available to you at rickrungood.com and you can enter a draw to win a subscription subscription as well. There's two ways to do it. If you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, like the video, and comment below with who is going to win the Honda Classic. If you want to go over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice about the show, and leave me your Twitter handle, that's the easier way to do it. Uh, Less people go that route. Both of you, uh, both will get entries, so don't be afraid to uh, do both of them. And uh, for this week, there's certainly a lot to talk about. There is going to be uh, plenty of content coming this week, including two live chats, one 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. That's our Honda Classic live chat ownership, whatever you want to talk about. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, also on Wednesday, the Jock Market Power Hour Stock Market DFS. Last week was a massive week. I know a ton of people are playing and getting into it, so it's going to be great either way. I'm trying to think any other announcements. Um, if you want free bets, go to rickrungood.com slash bets. There's a bunch of books out there offering a lot of really good information or a lot of really good promotions for March Madness. Also, I'm, I'm probably not going to record another video, but I did do an how, how to fill out an optimal March Madness bracket two years ago. I tweeted it out. Um, maybe I'll put the link in the description here so that you can go access that. I don't know. It's fun. It's a little pet project of mine. I probably won't do another video this year, but I thought it was worth shouting it out. I think that's it. There's so much going on. The golf is great right now. Let's jump into the Honda Classic. All right, Honda Classic PGA National. This is used to be the first leg of the the Florida Swing. Now it's the last leg. It is sandwiched in between just an absolutely stout stretch of golf with all the major events in the world and unfortunately uh, the field is reflected in that this is the natural resting spot for the top players in the world especially with another WGC coming next week with the match play so unfortunately the Honda Classic which is a great event PGA National which is an unbelievable course 
really difficult spot this week. But with that being said, those of us that are doing the research, those of us that have the data uh, on a field that's going to have many more unknown players, I think is an advantage to us. So let's talk about PGA National. This is a tough course, third most difficult course on the PGA Tour last season. It is a par 70, 7,100 yards. It's a Fazio design, and you're going to hear all week long about uh, 15, 16, 17. That's the bear trap. That's the the three-hole stretch that's very difficult on the back nine, one of the most difficult stretches on the PGA Tour, and uh, it features two different par threes in that stretch. Uh, There's just a lot of danger lurking out here at PGA national. And we've seen it kind of uh, pick guys off from time to time over the years. Most, most recently, Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood um, kind of punted this one away in, in Sung J M's victory uh, last year in 2020, which feels like a million years ago. But uh, anyway, of course, key stats, the, the, the correlation model, what does it say about this week? Well, it says strokes gained approach is the most important stat this week, and it ranks 10th, which means there are nine other courses on the PGA Tour in which strokes gained approach is more important. Next is driving distance, but that's ranked 30th, which means it's a below average stat when you compare it to the other courses on the PGA Tour. So we're really standing alone here with strokes gained approach and that shouldn't be that much of a surprise, right? Strokes gained approach is, is critically important every single week. Also, with this being a par 70, uh, strokes gained approach tends to be more important on par 70s than than other course layouts and just kind of the difficulty and how exact you have to be. This not only passes the sniff test, but uh, I think it, it certainly passes the model as well. So if we're looking at strokes gained approach and we can come down here and see, you know, let's look at the last 40 rounds in terms of strokes gained approach and not all of them are going to be measured. So you'll be able to see that here in the column next to it. Uh, You know, we've got a Wesley Bryan week on our hands, right? I don't know if it's actually Wesley Bryan week, but in his last 30 measured rounds, uh, he's gaining nearly nine tenths of a stroke on approach. It's the best number out of anybody in that stretch. Matthew Neesmith, Ches Reavy, Keegan Bradley, and Russell Henley are all rounding out the top five. And if you if you'd prefer to look at this um, from like the season rankings, we can do that too. So here's strokes gained approach. So in this field for this season, Russell Henley is is numero uno. He's number one. Uh, Keegan Neesmith, Reavy, those are all the same. Matt Wallace pops up. Jim Furyk pops up. Kelly Kraft, Rob Oppenheim, uh, and then Doug Gim. Doug Gim back in this field this week after a a Sunday meltdown. We could talk more about him in just a second. But that's essentially the the model for this week. The stats or stats that I will be leaning heavily on. Let's go over to the cheat sheet and take a look at this field. As expected, this field is headlined by Sung J M, your defending champion, at eleven thousand dollars. I guess it's worth noting that eleven thousand dollars. I'd have to go back and look. Probably the cheapest, most expensive guy we've ever seen. Right. So if you're looking for the most expensive guy, eleven thousand dollars. That's pretty low. I'd have to go back and look. Most weeks we get, you know, eleven two, eleven five, something like that. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but that feels low to me. Daniel Berger, ten thousand eight. Lee Westwood, after back to back runner up finishes, t uh, ten thousand six hundred. Joaquin Neiman, ten four, and then Adam Scott at ten one. So uh, the way that I kind of look at this, I, I think I think Sung J M very well deserved of being the top spot here, right? He played well at the WGC a couple weeks ago, had back to back top twenty fives at both the API and the Players Championship. We can look a bit into his. Uh, how he's been playing recently because 
I'd be a hair concerned that he's relying on putter. I'd have to look into this. So let's let's go back and see. And y- yes, he is, but that's not entirely unusual. So so for the last six consecutive uh, measured starts, his last six starts, Sung Jae's been unbelievable with the putter. He's gained a ton of strokes in each of those. The good news is he's been uh, lights out with the driver. Uh, the approach game, this this would be a little bit of a concern for me. You know, he lost uh, nearly three strokes in Phoenix. He lost over two at the workday, and he lost another three at the API on approach. That's really concerning, especially after we've come off of the uh, the the course key stats and what's important for this week. But I will say this, at the players, he was a zero iron player, a zero approach player. So this this kind of feels like we're trending in the right direction. This is kind of what I was thinking with 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 Justin Thomas last week is is he starting to lay the blueprint? Sungjae starting to lay the br- blueprint of being a great putter each and every week, being a great uh, off the tee player each and every week, and finding a way to just be a little bit better on approach. And if he does that, uh, he contends in a big way, and maybe he wins. This is a much, much weaker field than what we saw at the Players' Championship, of course, last week. So uh, this is this is starting to be the blueprint. So I would be a hair concerned with Sung Jae-in, but I certainly see the upside of him being able to uh, win this golf tournament back-to-back. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with Daniel Berger. He's 10,800. He finished fourth here last year. He's coming off what it was the most quiet top 10 finish at the players last week. Just got a little bit better every single round. Uh, by the time the dust settled, he was inside the top 10. He finished ninth. And, you know, I start I start looking through some of his recent results here on the Holy Grail, and you're talking about blueprints, right? This, this is what... Daniel Berger does. He gains strokes in all four categories. That is peak, uh, peak Daniel Berger, and that's the way that he won at the at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, right? It's just be great in all categories or be really good in all of them. And that's essentially what he did last week with the players, but he lost strokes putting. That's that's pretty atypical of Daniel Berger, who's a really good putter. Uh, you know, in his four starts before last week, he had gained over, what, 11, nearly 12 strokes putting uh, over those four measured events. I, I think this is a really good spot for him as well. So I'm probably going to garner a lot of attention towards Sung JM, a lot of attention towards Daniel Berger, and I'll probably take a pass on Westwood and Neiman. Um, you know, Westwood clearly in an un- unbelievable spot. Now you're just paying for that, right? I mean, you got a value on Westwood two consecutive weeks. He goes runner-up, runner-up. Now he's 10600 and you're talking about him needing to essentially win to pay that off. And... I can't imagine he's going to be highly owned, uh, and he, maybe he does win this golf tournament, but it's a very small path to him paying himself off at 10600 Neiman's the one that might burn me here. Uh, you know, I, I do think that Neiman tends to be a pretty popular golfer in our, in our little community, right? He garners a lot of attention. People realize he has a ton of upside. He's cheaper than Berger. He's cheaper than uh, Sungjae, and I wonder if most will just opt to go down and snag him here, and it's not... It's not without reason, right? I mean, he has been a great ball striker for for his very short career. Uh, the putter has let him down at times, but he gained strokes on the greens at at TPC Sawgrass. Like, I I don't mind Neiman at all. I, I'm just thinking he's going to be the popular one here with the way that his pricing shakes out compared to some of these other guys. 
The 9K range starts off pretty interesting here. Um, you know, Russell Henley, who is known for his approach game, right? I mean, that's what everyone that's what everyone knows about. Henley, he's a great ball striker. He, he's coming off a miscut at the players. I, I'm willing to write off most miscuts at the players, right? When nine of the 17 most expensive golfers in the field miss the cut, when you have carnage everywhere, it's Florida golf. And we might see the same thing this week, right? Florida golf with water everywhere and difficult courses lends itself to carnage. I think you should be embracing a lot of volatility uh, this week, just as we did last week. And and Henley, I, I don't know where he's going to come in, but the fact that he is right next to Gary Woodland is kind of silly, right? Like I like Gary Woodland as a person. His game is in a really, really tough spot right now. You know, if you want to compare these two, I like using the head-to-head betting matchup tool, which is designed for pitting two guys against each other in a four-round matchup and seeing what the probability of each golfer winning is, I like to use it to kind of break ties and compare two golfers here. And I'm just going to plug in Gary Woodland and Russell Henley, and these two guys could not be any more opposite, right? I mean, I have Russell Henley winning a four-round matchup against Gary Woodland 68% of the time. You can see, if you're watching on YouTube, the trajectories that these two golfers are on. Russell Henley uh, got off to a really good start after the restart, has played well since, hanging in there. Complete opposite for Gary Woodland. Hasn't been able to turn around his his rough play uh, since the tour returned. This, to me, is... is I, I mean, listen, golf is weird. Golf is very volatile, but uh, the the Gary Woodland number is is one of the most shocking at 9,500. Russell Henley seems to be a much better option. He's got three consecutive top 25s at this event. He had an eighth place finish last year. Like Henley's probably going to be pretty popular, um, and for good reason. I wish I was really hoping this Taylor Gooch number came in at. Um, like 80 something, 8,000 something. I, I mean, I guess the, 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 the word is out on Gooch and, you know, if you've been following him, let's pull up his, his golfer profile here. He is very well respected amongst his peers. So I don't know if you, if you ever hear any interviews or anything, but uh, the one that sticks out to me is Max Homa after he won Riviera, you know, he played with Gooch in the final round and Gooch didn't have a good Sunday, but he played awesome at Riviera for three days. I think he ended up finishing 12th and, you know, Max can't stop talking about his game and a lot of guys. And I, I, I love the way he plays every time I see Taylor Gooch and, and the trend is really good for him. Every year of his career, he seems to get better now in 2021, gaining strokes in all four major strokes gained categories, uh, which is always something that I love to see. He's, he's 73rd in approach. He's 85th off the tee gets better actually around the green and on the green, but he's in the midst of a really good run right now. Uh, a fifth place finish at, the players he played I feel like he played better than 43rd at the API and then that 12th place finish at at Riviera again I think he played better than that so this is tough for me I'm gonna have to see what the ownership comes in at because that is uh, unfortunately it's probably about $800 more expensive than I would have liked to have uh, paid for Taylor Gooch but I do understand and and completely love where his game is at I I just wish he was about $800 cheaper the bottom of the 9K range, um, you know, I, I think Tringale is kind of interesting. Again, coming off a miscut probably keeps his ownership in check a, a bit. That's his first miscut in a while. He's, he's played well. 
I'm writing off a lot of missed cuts for 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 these guys. He's 9100. Uh, then we go down to the the 8K range here, and, and I want to go over to the trends tool in a second because I feel like that's a really good place to start. You know, in the 8K range to find some of these trends. But we've got a couple of big names here. We've got we've got Ricky Fowler at 8900, who has of course the great course history. He won this event in 2017. He had a sixth and 16. He had a runner up finish in 2019. And his game is is completely out of whack at the moment. So I, I'm I'm probably just going to take a a very cautious wait and see approach on Ricky Fowler. I will not be owning him in any significant fa- uh, 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 fashion this week. And then Doug Gim. Okay, so let's talk about Doug Gim because he's now 8800, which is a huge jump from last week. And of course, he was in the penultimate group last week, and he and he shot I don't know what he what he shot 78, and and just melted down and finished 29th last week. But I want to look at Doug Gim a little bit closer because I think what you're going to see is outside of that one round, uh, he has been very good in the categories that we like the ball striking. He was, he was a a gainer at API. He was a gainer at Pebble beach. He was a gainer at, at the American express, essentially going back to the three M open last summer. He has gained strokes in ball striking, which is off the T plus approach in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of his last 13 measured events. That's a really good sign. It's a really, really good sign. And if we look at this on a more, um, round by round basis. Here's Doug Gim round by round. You can see that final round at, uh, at TPC Sawgrass, he loses strokes in nearly every single category, he loses six and a half strokes in total, but there is a lot of green on this chart round after round. He is gaining on his approach shots, the putters, you know, being a bit, uh, you know, bipolar at times, but when he gets it going, he rolls it in. These, these are, these are optimistic metrics for Doug Gim. So I don't know if, if the community who loves Doug Gim is going to say, Oh man, that meltdown was really scary. Is is this a Howard Varner the third situation where you know he he gets into the lead and melts down? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not going to blame Doug Gim in literally the largest spot of his career playing with Justin Thomas as Justin Thomas is going on to win 2.7 million dollars. That the guy shoots a big number. There were big numbers out there all week. I, I'm not I'm not that worried about it. So uh, 8,800 for Doug Gim is pretty steep, but I'm not letting Sunday's failure dictate my decision on whether I'm going to play Doug Gim this week. All right, let's pull up the trends here because I, I think, especially in a weaker field, uh, you know, which this is, th- we start to get to the point where uh, $8,000, I, I want to find guys that I normally wouldn't be thinking of. So we can do this a couple ways. We can do this by uh, fantasy points. We can do it by strokes gained. We can do it by finishing position. Um, Let's do it by, I guess we'll just do it by fantasy points. And we'll do it since since the restart. So we'll do, what would that have been, like 6-1-2020. And we could do this also by the new year or anything like that if we wanted to. But I'm just going to sort by DraftKings points and start to see where these guys roll in. Well, uh, Doug Gim in that $8,000 range, he's he's fifth. So he is the fifth best median DraftKings points number since the restart. So the top the top guys are Berger, Neiman, Sung JM, Chris Kirk, and Doug Gim. I'm looking for $8,000 guys. There's that man, Cam Davis again, who I think is now coming off two consecutive missed cuts. Um, a, he's a raw talent play, right? I'm worried that he's going to, I'm worried that Florida's not a great spot for Cam Davis because when he gets a little loose, 
the big numbers pile up. Same with same with Sam Burns, right? We talk a lot about Sam Burns' floor, a lot about Sam Burns' ceiling. Um, he withdrew this week, so we don't have to worry about it this week. But but Cam Davis is kind of on on a similar point. Um, I'm worried about him in Florida, but I I love the talent everywhere else. Uh, Wesley Bryan is here. We'll talk about him in a second. Pat and Kazire is here. Okay, here's Ian Poulter. Th- there's a name that when you get to Florida, you, you start to consider Ian Poulter a little bit more. Let's go look into uh, you know what he has been up to lately. Let's do it on the golfer profile here because he. Um, you know, misses the cut at, at the players championship. But before that, he had a 26th place finish at API. That's, that's good news. Tends to play well in, in Florida, um, played well at the masters played well at the CJ cup, made the cut at the RSM classic. Hasn't played a whole lot over here. I might have to go check his European results, but I'm just kind of looking at what is, what his metrics are. This is the one that would concern me. He only has 16 measured rounds this year on the PGA Tour, but he is one of the biggest losers in strokes gain approach. In fact, he's ranking 197th. Uh, wow, that's that's pretty sour. I mean, there's probably only 220 guys that even qualify for stats. He is 197th, so not great from Poulter. That would start to give me pause. Let's see who else is on this trends list. In this $8,000 range is what I'm looking for. Brandon Steele, love Brandon Steele. I talk about him every single week. Wow, really not a lot in this $8,000 range. Keegan's there. Okay, Keegan might be interesting, right? Because Keegan's meltdown was... Let's let's do a deeper dive into Keegan Bradley here. Let's do it by tournament. Yeah, here we go. I mean, the, the meltdown at API, he finished 10th, uh, and he was what? He was in the final group or the second to second to last group. Um, he is such a good ball striker, and we know this about Keegan, right? The the promising thing about him is that he has actually gained strokes putting in each of his last two starts. Let me just scroll down and see the last time he's done that. Okay, the last times he did that was the 2019 Travelers, and then the 3M Open, which was like three weeks later or two weeks later. Yeah, he might. He's he's only done this a couple of times. I'm looking for a time where he gained in three straight events, and I can't even find it. Oh, here it is. The last time that would have been was the 2015 Memorial U.S. Open Travelers, or is that Greenbrier? Greenbrier. So it would have been actually this. It would have been Memorial Travelers and Greenbrier. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, right? I don't know if we say the the historically Keegan Bradley does not gain strokes putting three events in a row. Um, or we say, okay, well, he's gained in the last two. Maybe he found something. I'm certainly not going to use five-year-old or six-year-old trends. Uh, I, I probably prefer Keegan more than more than most this week. The, the approach numbers are outstanding. The ball striking numbers, outstanding. Tita Green, outstanding. Uh, it's that pesky putter, as we know it is. So uh, I wouldn't mind that. And he's cheaper than, where is he on this board? Yeah, 8,400. That's a pretty good deal. I'll probably talk myself into Keegan by the end of the week. All right, 7K range. This is where things start to get really hairy here. Um, let's 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 go to the Holy Grail and let's see if we can find some some guys this way. So let's get rid of Keegan. Let's say in the last two seasons. Uh, so that gives me a pretty decent set of 
data here and let's go at strokes gain. Let's go strokes gain T to green. Let's start finding guys in the 7K range. Well, first of all, uh, Harold Varner III, 7,600. He is actually second best in this field behind Russell Henley in strokes gain T to green during that stretch. Uh, and he's 7,600. He's $2,200 less than than Russell Henley. Uh, Luke List, List also on this list. He's a big loser in terms of putting, but he's actually played better recently. Let's look at his recent results. Yeah, here's another guy. Four straight events, he's gained strokes putting. So if you think that's going to continue in a similar vein as Keegan Bradley, you might want to also consider Luke List. Just full-on team no putt this week. Who else? Uh, you know, Ches Reavy, he pops up on all the approach stuff. Let's click on him and see what he's been up to. Uh, hitting it well on approach. I guess that's what happens. Wow, man. Yeah, okay. So this is this is the other concern, right? So I, there's... There are, and I I made a video on this strategy Saturday for why I'm team no putt. I think it was just this past Saturday or Saturday before. Uh, go check that out. It's it's on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. And there there's there are certainly um, members of team no putt that you're like, okay, the putter's got to come around at times. And then there are guys that scare me to death, like Ches Reavy, who look lost with the putter. You know, there it's one thing to just be volatile with the flat stick. It is another to just never ever be able to figure it out. And and I will say, I guess the the guy who breaks that theory is Sergio. Uh because if we go back and look at Sergio's numbers, which um I can do here. He was so I'm I'm going to save my spot here on on Revy. So if we go to Sergio, I probably would have told you uh that he was lost before he won at Sanderson. So this is this is what I see here, right? When you lose like 3 and 4 and 5 strokes putting every single week, I would have said he's lost. Now he did end up gaining at at Sanderson and 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 eventually winning, but that's kind of what I see from Ches Reevy right now. And I don't know if 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 it's possible you know, Sergio might have just been the outlier here, if able to figure it out in a way. But but Revy is, I mean, he loses six strokes over two rounds at Sawgrass. I mean, he loses uh, two and a half at Riviera in two rounds. He loses six at Sony over four rounds. I mean, this is just, this is really, really ugly stuff. So I, I would tread lightly with some of these team no putt guys. They at least have to be guys that show a bit of volatility, an ability to roll, uh, to roll the rock at times and, and Revy, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm seeing that ability right now. Uh, the other thing that everyone's going to get all hot and bothered, uh, with right now is Brandon Wu. So, um, I, I really like Brandon Wu. Let, let's be clear about that. Uh, I, I'm not going to die on the Brandon Wu uh, hill, uh, but I do want to make the idea that that in 2021, and this is a case I've been trying to make for a while, the the line between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour has never been so blurred. Not not just because the Corn Ferry Tour is incredibly deep and these guys are so great, but also. Uh, with the pandemic in 2020, no PGA Tour player lost his tour card. So that means there wasn't a natural graduating class from the Corn Ferry Tour like there normally should have been. Which means that guys who should have been on the PGA Tour are still on the Corn Ferry Tour. And Will Zalatoris is the perfect example of that, right? He he gets up, he he has a top 10 at the U.S. Open, and he, and he runs that into uh, you know special temporary membership status, and he's playing great, and he's awesome, and he's maybe a top 30 player in the world. Well, there's probably other guys like that. Zalatoris is, is a freak, but um, like Brandon Wu is $7,800. Brandon Wu is probably better than a lot of the players in this field, 
even though he resides primarily on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he had a seventh place finish at the Puerto Rico Open. He won on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, I believe it was last year. He's played well there recently. Listen, this is a very volatile course. There's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that happens. I just think as a general point, we should be understanding that the, the line between these two tours is very, very blurry at the moment. Bottom of the 7K range, um, you know, I covered a couple of these guys. Warinsky, if you're willing to forgive him for the miscut, I think is interesting. Doc is 7,100. We can do a deep dive on Doc. I, I just, man, it's tough. It's really tough right now. I think he did gain strokes, however, at the Players' Championship. Let me see here. Yeah, he did. I mean, his approach game hasn't been that bad. Uh, the The... It hasn't been as good as what it was at the end of 2020. His off the tee game's been a little shaky. The putter's gotten better, man. I, I this I, I could have a blind spot for Doc, so I, I will be very transparent about that. But these metrics are at least trending better now. It, better than really, really bad might still be bad, but they are getting better now. Three straight events in which he's been an average putter. Uh, he's gaining on approach. In three of his last four, uh, he's be, he's about an average off the tee player. I'm 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 a little bit worried, but they're I think they're getting better. If I w- I would feel much more comfortable rolling him out here at this field at PGA National than I would maybe at the Players Championship, the API, the Genesis. I mean, the, the he is he has started his season in a gauntlet. Um, you know, to go from Tory to Phoenix to Riviera to Bay Hill to Sawgrass, that is a gauntlet and he hasn't played well and I'm wondering if this week might be a good a better spot for him. I don't know, I might have a blind spot, you can think I'm crazy, but it, it at least looks a little bit better. $6,000 range here. This is where things start to get really ugly. Tom Hoagie's not so bad. Tom Hoagie finished 22nd at the Players' Championship. He finished 12th at the Pebble at Pebble Beach a couple of weeks ago. And if we go and look at um, the live leaderboard here from last week, it's just easy to kind of stir. Look at four strokes gained on approach last week. That would have put him, he would have been like 20th. Yeah, that's pretty good. What do you do on the weekend? And this is another thing I like to do. Kind of look at what some of these guys did on the weekend. See if they can carry that momentum. Okay, he gained 1.6 strokes on approach on the weekend. He lost off the tee. Wasn't great around the green. Uh, Hoagie's not bad here for 60... What did I say? 6,900. And then Wes Bryan. I promised we would talk about him. You know, Wes Bryan's $6,800. He doesn't play a lot. When he does play, it's usually in these weaker field events. And unfortunately, it hasn't really... uh, Like, his ownership's pretty pretty big. So here's what I see. So uh, remember... Uh, and I say this a lot, he had that major medical that he came off of. So he had like a two years where he didn't play from the 2018 RSM to the 2020 RBC Heritage. He had zero measured events. So since then, since he came back, he's played six, he's played in eight measured events, two more we don't have data for because there was no shot link data there. In those eight, he's gained strokes on approach in seven of them. The one week he lost was Sony and he lost less than a half a stroke over four rounds. So uh, that is obviously his strength. Uh, looking at what he did at, you know, difficult golf courses, well, Riviera, uh, you know, he finished 43rd there. That's a pretty good sign. Outside of that, he doesn't really play anywhere difficult. So I don't know how thrilled I'd be to run him out at uh, at PGA National. But if we're going to rely on approach, uh, Wesley Bryan is certainly one of the top guys here in, at, at, uh, at the $6,000 range. 
How far down would I be willing to go here? Rob Oppenheim's a good ball striker. He played well at Puerto Rico. You know, this is almost, unfortunately for for the Honda Classic, um, this is almost a... I don't want to call it a Puerto Rico Open. The strength of field there is much, much worse. But guys that played well, like it's going to be a similar field. Uh, Rob Oppenheim finished, you know, top ten there. Uh, he's a good ball striker. He's sixty six hundred. That wouldn't be so bad. I'm looking for guys that play. PGA National uh, well or have played well in the past or at least in a couple of years. Kramer Hickok, that's a name I say a lot on here, has two top 30s in a row. He's, he's coming off a stretch of golf where he has not played particularly well, but he did make the cut at the Players' Championship. That's probably as far as I'd go. Things start to get pretty pretty hairy down here. So Kramer Hickok's probably the bottom. Let's see what the custom model has to say, which, by the way, uh, pumped out Justin Thomas as number one last week. So that worked out well. Okay, so um, here's what I know. I've got one stat that stands alone. Let's call it 35 on strokes gained approach. Uh, I know they've got the extra par fours. That's a big deal. Let's do 30 on par four scoring. So I've got 35 remaining. And by the way, if you're in the Slack channel, you have access to the uh, the beta version of the custom model. I, I showed it on the live chat last week. It's really special. We're still doing some testing, still getting all the all the um, you know wrinkles ironed out of it. But there is going to be a new custom model slash lineup builder making an appearance on RickRunGood.com uh, shortly. If you're in the Slack channel, you already have access to it. Uh, go test it out. It's pretty. It's pretty slick. So I've got 35 remaining. Let's do um, distance was our second one, but it wasn't highly correlated. So I'll do 15 on distance and that leaves me with 20. So I'll do 10 on off the tee. I don't want to double count too much. And then I will do 10, my final 10 on, oh man, I hate the scrambling stat, but um, par is going to be a good score a lot around here. So I'll take scrambling. Let's run it. Oh boy. Daniel Berger, my number one player. No surprise there. That should... That's probably true. Cameron Tringale, number two, interesting. Joaquin Neiman, Brendan Steele, love that, and Doc Redman. Oh, boy. I'm really going to talk myself into Doc Redman this week, aren't I? Uh, Howard Varner III is next. Russell Henley, Gary Woodland. I would just ax Gary Woodland. He's getting a lot of credit. This is a blended model, right, the last two seasons. He's getting a lot of credit um, for for longer-term stuff than he is for shorter-term stuff, so that scares the dickens out of me. Cameron Percy pops up. 6,900. He's a value play as well. So a pretty interesting model. I'm, I'm going to try to probably build around, oh man, Berger, even Sungjae, uh, and then some of those guys, the 9K range. This is interesting. Interesting. Let me know what you think about that. Let me know what you think about everything. Guys, golf is, golf is so good right now. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're winning. A lot of you are based on the messages that I get. Uh, let's keep it going this week. And then the match play, the match play, Got to be one of my favorite events. There is a huge strategy uh, coming next week at the WGC match play because the vast, not the vast majority, but a lot of people, like a third of the field, are going to make their lineups incorrectly. I cannot wait for that event. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.